Welcome back to the Movie Babble podcast. This week you've got myself and Nick, and uh, we're going to be talking about quite a bit. We have a fairly full slate. It was kind of kind of an eventful week. Um, so we just we want to start off and talk about Chadwick Boseman, who unfortunately passed away a couple of days ago from colon cancer. Um, this was pretty out of the blue. Uh, it sounds like for even people that he worked with, um, he's, you know, reports are saying that he's he has had colon cancer. He's been fighting that basically as long as he's uh, been in the in the the top tier Marvel uh, spotlight. Uh, for the past four years, which just makes all the work he was doing even more impressive. And and I think for me, it it really shows how much he cared about what he was doing and and kind of the gravity of the situation and, and how impactful he saw his roles as being and and just how much he fought to get them out there. Um, you know, I can't imagine what that was like doing most of his own stunts. I mean, even just spending hours in the makeup chair every morning, you know, doing 12 hour shoots uh, with that battle going on inside of him. Yeah, I, there's been a few celebrity deaths that have really kind of hit me hard. And I think there's a lot of like Robin Williams, I know, was a big one for a lot of people and Carrie Fisher, too. But this one is up there for me as I was. It just it's, it's a total blindside. The guy's 43 years old. Um, yeah, I, I I'm going to miss him dearly. I Chadwick Boseman, I think, was turning into one of my favorite actors. It's that's, an, that's another thing of his passing, too, where. You feel like he was just really getting started, and Black Panther was really kind of like the coming out party for him. And he had been in 24 uh, or 42, sorry, as uh, Jackie Robinson, and he, I'm obviously Black Panther from there. And it really felt like he was really getting going. He was obviously into Five Bloods earlier this year, but um, yeah, it's 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 a real bummer. I I loved every time I saw him on screen. I thought he was just such an interesting actor and he was always always really decent in his roles you know like he had a real sense of goodness about him and all everything he did uh, i think he would have matured into a really incredible adult actor and i think after the black panther days were done for him he would have done some really really interesting work um yeah he's he's one of those guys where he was really comfortable uh like allowing other people to st- not necessarily steal scenes from him, but sort of do the more showy performance. And he was, I mean, you look at the black Panther role where he's just very reserved and against like Michael B. Jordan, who's really le- like going up to, he's at like level 10. Um, but he always was not necessarily the quietest one, quietest one in the scenes, but he just, he has this reserved power around him that really resonated. And um, yeah, he's just, he's really a one of a kind performer i'm I'm really gonna miss him and you're seeing a lot of um anecdotes just kind of come out of the woodwork is is people that knew him and worked with him are reflecting on what his life and what his work meant to them and i thought it was just really impressive um seeing a lot of stories about how much he fought for particular aspects of his characters uh, so there was a story from 42 where it was talking about uh the scene where jackie robinson gets mad and breaks his bat um, and how Chadwick Boseman really fought to put that scene in there so that you could see the whole character really, um, and not just the, you know, the the heroic. Oh, everything was easy. This is Jackie Robinson. He's a legend. Um, but really, kind of get to the root of who he was and see him struggle amidst everything. Um, and then, you know, even with Black Panther and talking with an African accent and just some of the choices they made, um, even in Civil War, uh, I saw a story that 
uh, Ryan Coogler put in his tribute to Chadwick Boseman, where he was talking about how uh, when it came to Civil War, there was the first scene that uh, T'Challa and his father have together. Uh, it was Chadwick Boseman's idea to do that in John Connie's uh, native language, uh, which he learned, like Chadwick Boseman learned on the spot for his scene that day, uh, which I think is is really just impressive. Uh, speaks a lot to his talent as an actor, but also to kind of the gravitas and the grounding he wanted to bring to a lot of these roles. Yeah, it's, I couldn't agree more. And it's it really you really can't overestimate how important he was just in elevating black voices and in, in a studio that or in a in a system that in Hollywood that just really needs more of them, frankly. Um, he's just so terrific and just all the roles. I mean, you go from Jackie Robinson to James Brown to Thurgood Marshall. There's so many important care like black character or black people in history. Um and I'm sure, I mean, you see that the, his role as Storm and Norman in Five Bloods, I, I, that movie might, might be really hard for me to watch for quite some time. I, the, especially the ending of that movie, I, in the, the, like the role that his character plays, that might be one that I struggle to go back to, but I think also just adds another layer to how like the themes of that movie. Um, yeah, he, he always really struck me in interviews, and obviously like, we don't know him, so we're kind of speaking on the on the periphery here, but I, I, he always struck me as a, just a very decent guy who is really thoughtful. And you see a lot of his speeches where he's looking that he understands that he, what he's doing is bigger than just him. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I'm really, really sad. And even like we, I've, I just liked him. I really, really liked him in every movie that he was in. It was always like, even like in his smaller roles, like you think of him in the, totally forgettable draft day where he is one of the uh, people uh, getting drafted. He's one of the players and you're like, Oh, it's a Chadwick Boseman. Like every time he shows up, it's just a great thing in a movie. Um, so it really does feel like we were robbed of seeing something just, just really great. And I think it just speaks to like all the people who were coming out to talk about how great of a person he was, where um, I think we all get stuck on, what who he was as an actor and who he was as a celebrity but it feels like he was just one of the better people in hollywood so it's it's a big loss on that side of it too yeah and i think oh a lot of what just feels so wrong about it is just how sudden everything was um and and i think you're seeing a lot of that with the people that even knew him personally that didn't realize that you know this whole time he's been struggling with cancer and and fighting that battle while he's out there being a, a good human and and being a terrific actor and and being this elevator of, of black voices and and black culture um and, and i think that's really probably why it, it really hurts a lot for a lot of people you know obviously there there aren't as many people that know him um but you see everybody on the internet is just kind of flocking to how much this guy meant to them you know even if even if they've only ever seen him in in black panther um, just how much his life and his work was able to mean to so many people. Yeah, and it's, I really can't get over, you mentioned before, where he's dealt with this for four years. So basically the entire time he has been in superhero shape, he's been dealing with this, which I just think is unbelievable. Like to think about like the shape that all of these people get in for superhero movies now and what he's dealing, like he's, he's literally dying as he's doing it. It's just unbelievable and kind of, just the power that he was still able to speak with in those roles. And it really, it just means so much. And I think 
it really does where we talk about people uh, smaller or younger black people just being able to see someone who looks like them on screen in such a, an important role it's just all that stuff really really matters and that kind of representation is really important and i know sometimes it, it seems like people are getting on their soapbox to talk about that but it really means so so much and it's so important so um yeah it's 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 a real real bummer he was he was a good one he was a really good one um i'm looking forward to he has one movie that's actually it's completed so it's ma rainey's black bottom which is a it's it's based on a play by august wilson um so he's going to be in that with viola davis and i'm sure that's going to be just just a great showcase for his talents so we'll see when that comes out but um yeah it's it's a real bummer I was really, I was really really hit hard by this, and it really came out of nowhere. Um, you just your phone starts blowing up with this news, and it's just it really it's a real gut punch. Yeah, it was something that I I really didn't think it was true. Um, you know, because he's he's pretty fit. He's still pretty young. Forty three is is a very young age um, for an adult or, or just for someone living in the twenty first century. Um, and yeah, just it was all of a sudden Chadwick Boseman is passed away from colon cancer and you know just just a big shock to just kind of hit you and and um you know see social media just instantly kind of turn into a tribute um towards him which i i think says a lot for what his life meant to people yeah do you have a favorite chadwick boseman role flash movie i mean i think black panther just because of how big that is socially um but i also I've, I've enjoyed him in everything i've seen him in i really enjoyed him in 42 um i think in the five bloods it's really easy for him not for anybody in that movie not to stand out because there's just so much talent um that's just on there and i think you know you can easily lose chadwick in how large the performances of Dora lindo especially and, and jonathan majors and some of the other lead cast were but i think he really does a terrific job um even if he's you know kind of second string in terms of how big his character is um he really just does a terrific job with the space that he's given yeah i totally agree i i really liked get on up uh, which was the james brown biopic that he did um which it's really amazing that movie works because he didn't have the rights to any of the music uh, so it's really all on chadwick in that movie to just have that same James Brown presence and really just carry the movie. But um, yeah, I think like you said, Black Panther is it, it's so far reaching and really important in that sense and terrific. Um, but I, I think my favorite is probably Storm and Norn from the Defy, from Defy Bloods. Um, I think I've just thought about that movie a lot since I saw that whenever it came out because time means nothing at this point <laughs> since we're in uh, <laughs> month six of everything going on. But um yeah, that, that role has stuck with me quite a bit, and I think it was this. It was the sign of what he was going to do a lot of moving forward. Um, and it seems like every big director wanted to work with him. I know that's a, that's a Spike Lee movie, and he's work. He was going to work with plenty of others. I only can imagine. So um, yeah, it's it's a real real shame. Just on so many different levels, I like I feel for his entire family and. Um, just everyone that knew him personally, I can't imagine what they're going through. He's definitely going to be missed. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's going to, or it's going to sting for quite a, quite a bit. Um, 
I think this this does go. I kind of said at the top of this of this year, but it really does go to the top of just the heartbreaking celebrity deaths for me. It just he just seemed like a really good dude, and it's just really sad to see anyone of that caliber go. Yeah, I I agree. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely going to be missed. Um, but we we also do want to talk about uh, some of the other stuff going on uh, this weekend as well. So theaters did, um, or sorry, theaters have been open, but there have been some new releases actually in theaters, uh, which is kind of an odd experiment to be in the middle of right now. Um, but the New Mutants, which I I've seen it, I'm still not 100% sure it exists. Um, <laughs> but the New Mutants did release this past week, as well as the personal history of David Copperfield. Um, but even looking at like what the word release means, you know, normally a larger release like new mutants, something that's a superhero film, even if it's not an A-list superhero film is going to land in about 4,000 theaters worldwide. Um, as it was this past weekend, new mutants was sitting in about 2,400. Um, and many of those are going to be international because the domestic markets aren't fully open back yet. Um, so it's, it's hard to gauge like whether or not these movies are succeeding. Um, and even we'll talk about Bill and Ted in a little bit. Bill and Ted Face of Music is kind of a hybrid release, so they're able to hide most of the numbers because they don't report streaming the same way they would box office. Um, so it's hard to gauge like what's actually making money or what would be a huge hit if everything were open. You know, how much of this is due to theaters, you know, having very minimized capacity. I know like the theaters near me aren't even doing a full amount of showtimes right now. Each, each auditorium's only got maybe two showtimes a day. Um, and even on the weekends, which is just uh, really low. And when you add on to the fact that most auditoriums are at like 30 to 40% seating, um, it's hard to gauge whether or not these things are actually performing well or flopping. Yeah. I think, especially with new mutants, because I feel like <laughs> throughout the, many many years of whatever it's dealt with or through post-production whatever they've reshoots whatever they've done with it um it feels like as soon as those kind of news uh breaks started to happen that this was just going to be treated as a tax write-off and no matter what if it was released during a pandemic or not like i can't imagine this would have done too too well for 20th century studios which just sounds really weird to say uh, and disney but um so yeah it made seven million this weekend, but like, who knows what that really means? Um, the reported budget on it was a hundred million dollars, so um, that's obviously that's not going to get it all back there. But uh, yeah, I think for a while now, this movie was meant to be sort of a tax write-off, and let's get this, let's figure out a way to get this out, and then just forget about it and move on because obviously this was stuck in the whole Fox Disney merger deal, and they're. They were like, oh, what do we do with this? Oh, it's supposed to be R. Well, we don't really like that because we're Disney and then all this back and forth and whatnot. And many, many years of interviews of the cast being like, yeah, I don't know what the deal of that movie is. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I, you've seen it. I still don't, I still don't believe it exists at all um, until I'm actually watching it. And by the time I end up watching it, I won't believe that it exists either. Um, yeah, I think this is just kind of a thing where contractually they had to put this out in theaters so uh, it just they're gonna put it out there for as long as they have to then it'll probably end up on Disney plus whenever that happens um, is really kind of the end for this movie 
Yeah, it's really disappointing because this was like the first movie to really get caught in the Disney Fox crossfire. Um, like so much so that they weren't able to do any reshoots for the movie because by the time all that kind of bureaucratic red tape with, well, what exactly is Fox anymore uh, was cleared up enough. The actors were too old, so you couldn't reshoot convincingly because uh, when you work with children, they tend to grow up and change <laughs> sizes. They do tend to age. <laughs> um, so like you do you like you have to look at the fact that they're not able to work with like a full range of footage because once you put the movie together you realize that there are a whole bunch of holes you need to fill and then you do reshoots and new mutants was kind of robbed of that chance um so i feel for the team behind it on that front but having seen it like this movie is just really bland it's not aggressively bad like something like dark phoenix from last year was where you're just scratching your head at who made these decisions it's just really 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 boring um there's six characters total um there's like two other people that get like 30 seconds of screen time but have no name um and then there's just six characters sitting in a room for about 75 percent of the movie the other 25 percent of the movie is mutants running away from bears uh <laughs> and that part is actually fun but it's just the characters are just really bland because they all pretty much have the same backstory. So basically how this movie works is it's got two acts pretty much. The first act is each character. Um, all the other characters are like, well, this is this person. Uh, we don't quite know what their powers are yet, uh, but they won't really tell us. And then big revelation, you find out what their powers are. Turns out they killed someone they loved. That's why they're in the hospital. And then you move on to the next character. You don't know what their powers are. You don't really know where they came from. Turns out you figure out what their powers are, and they also killed someone that they loved, and that's why they're in the hospital. And it just rinses and repeats that until you get through all five of the main mutants, and then a uh, giant bear happens, and that's pretty much the movie. Yeah, that still doesn't sound like that is a real thing. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's so strange because at no point in the movie was I like, ah, oh, this is terrible. But when I walked out, I was like, there were maybe like three things that happened. And I don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a that's a shame because when this because this was first like announced when I think it was right around when Deadpool was about to be a thing, and so this was kind of in that weird mode of we're gonna take the X Men and do weird things with it. So we have like Deadpool and Logan, and those kind of turned out pretty well. And then you're gonna like all right, let's reinvent. The X-Men, let's put them in a horror movie. And then me reading that news is like, oh, great. This is cool. I like this idea. Um, but then it was weird because Josh Boone was directing it, who did The Fault in Our Stars, where I was like, huh, that's, that's a little weird, but whatever. Why not? Um, but yeah, for all the jokes that we've made about this movie and all its issues and pushbacks, and I don't even know how many pushbacks it's been, like at least like five at this point. I don't even know. <laughs> but um, all of that. I just kind of feel bad for everybody involved because it's like there was clearly some interesting intentionality here with kind of changing the idea of X-Men and just doing cool different things. And I would love to see a horror movie with superheroes on a pretty substantial budget. That sounds kind of cool. Uh, so, yeah, it's that's a shame. It feels like it was like it's like some weird ironic fate that this is the movie that's kind of 
the big welcome back to theaters in a sense, you know, because it was unhinged was last week and whatever. But this this weekend really feels like it's the first weekend where theaters are really back and really is in quotation marks, because what does that even mean? But yeah, to see this movie that's just been in hell, development hell for so many years, be back the first movie in a pandemic. There's some sweet kind of justice or whatever there. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Yeah, and it's this movie's also very awkward because pretty much all of the main child characters have a very specific accent, um, but only one of them works out actually well. Um, so like Charlie Heaton has this like hick Southern accent, um, oh, no. that he pulls off really well. Oh, okay. Anya Taylor Joy has this Russian accent when she can remember it, um, <laughs> and it's just it's just really cringy. Um, it's just like think of the most Russian cartoon character you can imagine. And that's what she sounds like. <laughs> and then Maisie Williams is speaking in her own accent. Um, Cause she is <laughs> European of some sort. Um, but like she's, she's using the same voice she uses in game of Thrones. And uh, the problem is that like her actual native accent isn't there most of the time. Um, so like sometimes she'll be trying to do like some kind of American accent even though her character is actually Scottish um, and it's just, it's very cringy because <laughs> it just kind of comes and goes depending on the mood the movie's in. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's not a good movie. Um, and I, I kind of feel bad because you see with like X-Men apocalypse and Logan and uh, I forgot the name of this movie, the new mutants. Um, they're all like trying to tease <laughs> the future of the X-Men universe and the Essex corporation and Mr. Sinister, who's like a big X-Men villain in the comics. And they're all basically giving the same teaser that we all know will never pay off because those movies all came out right when Disney announced that they were going to cancel everything and reboot it. Um, And so I'm just kind of sad because you can see they were like, well, we've got some plans down the road and maybe all this will pay off. And now it's just kind of over with a dud. Yeah, it's. I mean, it feels like we were all like eulogizing the end of the Fox X Men after Dark Phoenix because we were like, "Well, <laughs> the New Mutants might never happen, so let's just do it now." Uh, but it is, man, the the twists and turns that this franchise has undergone is just unbelievable to me. Where you have movies like this and Apocalypse and X Men Origins Wolverine, and then you have like Logan, which for my money, I think is the best superhero movie ever. <laughs> And then, like, Deadpool and Days of Future Past and all these good things. It's just, man, it's, it's what a ride. <laughs> I'm kind of glad it's over. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of a letdown for me, too, because, you know, X-Men 2 specifically was, like, one of the first superhero movies I remember owning. It was like that, and Sam Raimi's Spider-Man trilogy were, like, my superheroes growing up. Um, and then, I mean, the Batman movies a little bit later on, but yeah, like X-Men is something that's always been there and to just like watch this thing that I grew up with just end so chaotically. I'm like, Oh, that was a disappointment. Like what was, was all of this worth it? Yeah. And then now Disney is going to reboot it with whoever as whatever characters. And then we'll just repeat this cycle over and over again until the end of time. (laughs) Give me me all an Aaron Reich as Wolverine. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> Don't drag Alden Ehrenreich into this. <laughs> I feel so bad. I still feel bad for him. I got your back, Alden Ehrenreich. I loved you and Hell Caesar. <laughs> I, I like him as an actor. Like, I think he'd be a fine Wolverine. Yeah, I just want him to just go off and I feel like Solo was just like the most crushing thing. Just go off and do some interesting things. Well, I think he's in that Peacock show, right? What is that? Brave yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah, I saw the show and he was fine in it, but it's just like okay. a Westworld knockoff. So he he again did not get what he deserves, mm, uh, which Justice is World. more just fun iconic show stealing stuff like in hail caesar <laughs> god i want to watch that movie again that movie's so good i'm one of those people that loves that movie yeah i remember i uh i worked out of the theater or i worked at the theater when that movie came out and uh there were a lot of people like refunding their tickets they're like this isn't a comedy and i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> this is the perfect movie why are you leaving <laughs> I had the same reaction where I took a bunch of friends to see that movie and I was cackling the whole way through it. And then everyone else was like, what the hell did you just watch? <laughs> Cause that was not funny. And then me, I'm did like, this you, is, a, this is amazing. Did you not just see Channing Tatum do a 1950s esque musical number to come out <laughs> as a communist? <laughs> uh, I I'm looking forward to, in about 10, 15 years, I'm not the first person to say this, but Hail Caesar will have its Lebowski, like, like revisit, where every critic is, like, at the same time, like, oh, you know what, that movie's actually really good, and we were dumb, and I'll be like, yes, I liked it from the beginning, because I'm not a poser. Hail Caesar will return. <laughs> uh, but the New Mutants was actually not the only thing opening up this weekend. Um, so the personal history of David Copperfield, uh, which would normally be a limited release, and I feel like it still is kind of a limited release, even though everything's a limited release, um, also opened up. It was weird uh, with both these movies, seeing the Fox logo without the word Fox, uh, because New Mutants is 20th Century Fox, and uh, or sorry, 20th Century Studios, and uh, David Copperfield is Searchlight Pictures. And just like seeing the big gap where the word Fox used to be is just really awkward. Um, but the personal history of David Copperfield is something that I didn't really have a connection to going into it. Uh, but it just like filled me with joy the entire time. And I can't really ask for more from it. It was just a delightful movie. Yeah, it's one of the two Dev Patel 2020 movies that I'm really looking forward to. Just we're waiting on A24 is just holding on to the Green Knight. Like it's it's made and they're just sitting on it i'd love to see that movie but i guess i won't till whenever but um yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing this movie whenever um i guess it comes to vod because i don't think i'm going to a theater anytime soon uh, but i really love armando iannucci uh, the death death of stalin was probably it was one of my favorite movies of 2017 or whenever that came out i really really love that movie i think it's hilarious but um, this movie, yeah, from the, even the trailer, it just looks like the most delightful thing when you have Dev Patel and Tilda Swinton running around and Hugh Laurie doing his Hugh Laurie stuff. It just looks really terrific. Yeah, there's some really inventive, just like fun sets that they explore. Um, like there's a house that's an upside down boat that they're in. Um, there's like a bottle factory that's a, a big sequence. And I mean, if if anybody's read the book, I'm sure they'll probably like expect most of this but to me it was all new and i was like wow that's a really cool thing to <laughs> base your story around and then just like all the side characters just pop really well uh, like peter capaldi is this just kind of 
street urchin kind of guy um, who has an accordion. Hugh Laurie is just constantly flying a kite. Tilda Swinton's kicking donkeys. Um, it's just so many fun little characters that just kind of pop in, do their thing, leave, and then come back and do it again. So what's the deal with this movie? It's it's like Charles Dickens, but with David Copperfield. Is that the idea? Yeah, so he is an orphan boy who uh, is basically forcibly orphaned by his stepfather and then uh, grows up with this guy uh, who's like uh, Peter Capaldi's character who's just like this poor guy in London who's constantly in and out of debtor's prison um, and his family, and then he goes and lives with his other family, which is Tilda Swinton and Hugh Laurie's characters, and it's just kind of his rise and fall as he figures out who he is. And like a big motif in the movie is uh, the name David Copperfield and what name uh, people choose to call him by and what name he goes by and just like him finding his identity amidst all this chaos and all these other people in his life. So is he secretly a Skywalker? Uh, I was waiting for it. Uh, there, was, <laughs> there was no big reveal. I think he might have been a Palpatine, actually. Uh, oh, okay, that makes a lot. That makes good sense. That's good screenwriting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like it was. I've never seen the Paddington movies, which is uh, something I need to remedy. Oh but my god! I'd imagine, from what I've heard, this makes you feel the same way that the Paddington movies do. Oh, fuck me up! I'm one of those people that adores Paddington too. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's a warm blanket from start to finish and you just feel so good about yourself. And then there's Hugh Grant as just like a wonderful villain. Oh my God. I love that movie. <laughs> Go see Paddington too. <laughs> That's my contribution to the David Copperfield <laughs> conversation. Go see Paddington too. Well, uh, whenever HBO Max gets together or gets their stuff together and gets Paddington on there, I'll check it out. Oh my gosh. So good. So, so good. Um, and then the other release this week was Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, which released primarily on streaming. I know it was playing in uh, quite a few drive-ins domestically and even in some like smaller theater chains. I don't think the big theater chains opted for it uh, quite yet, but it is here. Um, and supposedly it's been pretty good. Um, I'm blind completely to the Bill and Ted movies. I do intend to remedy that here pretty soon. Uh, but from what I've heard, everybody was just really surprised by just like how much fun and just like how stupidly good this movie was. Yeah, like you, I I don't have any connection to the Bill and Ted movies. It's an it's a blind spot for me, and um, I'm looking forward to catching up with those before I wait for Face the Music to drop down from its twenty dollar amount. Because remember, I don't pay twenty dollars to rent a movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I am looking forward to seeing this because um, it is true, like especially the comedy sequels and like delayed comedy sequels, which just have basically like no good track record. And like, I'm thinking back to dumb and dumber two, which was just really sad to watch. It just made me depressed, which is probably the exact opposite of what they were trying to do there. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing this at some point. And it was only a $25 million budget, which I was kind of impressed by because you look at the trailer and it looks like there's like a good amount of effects and whatnot going through it. So who knows, there's some like delayed deferred salaries or something through there that made the budget cheaper. But um, that's just, I feel like that's just really good budgeting on their part. Um, especially because who knows with how they're releasing it and just like what people are paying for for movies now. Um, I think that's just really smart on their end to just keep costs and just at a minimum. Because I feel like there is another world, like you think of like something like Zoolander 2, 
which cost like a stupid amount of money and all of us were like why why did you do that paramount that was just <laughs> that was just not a good idea and so i think this was uh, it seems like it was a really good uh, bet on their part but um yeah it seems like people are really liking it and like you said everyone's just like well this is actually like a good movie and like on par with the other ones so that's really good to see so you make fun of Dumb and Dumber 2, but Peter Farrelly won an Oscar with his next movie after that. So. <laughs> was that Green Book? What was the next movie? <laughs> Green Book. Oh my god. Uh, just, just when I thought I was done with Green Book in my life, you pulled me back in. <laughs> but yeah, I, I intend to remedy uh, my Bill and Ted blind spot here pretty soon, so I will, I will hop on board that train um, at some point. I mean, yeah, it's Keanu Reeves. What's not to like? Uh, you're right. You're right. I'm, I'm... Keanu for Wolverine. That's my my MCU pitch. <laughs> you know what? Sure. Why not? I'd watch it. We'd all watch it. You know you would. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that is Bill and Ted. And then next week should be pretty big. Uh, next week, Tenet is releasing. Uh you know, Christopher Nolan was slightly off. It did move from that July 17th release date, uh, but Tenet does release in theaters. It's already released internationally, but its domestic debut will be over this coming Labor Day weekend. And then Mulan also drops on Disney+. Plus. Um, I'm definitely going to be seeing Tenet because I live in a somewhat small town that doesn't have as much COVID activity. So I feel fine uh, subjecting myself to the masses, or at least... 30% of the masses in the theater. Uh, but I will not be forking over $30 to watch Mulan. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. With Tenet, uh, I mean, actually did really good business overseas. It made $53 million, uh, internationally, which, I don't know, when I, the first, when I first read that, I, my first reaction was, oh no, <laughs> because that just means that there was many people in theaters, and I'm just scared to think about that. But I guess you got to also remember that not everything is the hellscape that is the United States in terms of its COVID cases. Um, but yeah, I don't really know when I will get the chance to see Tenet um, because I live in the Washington, D.C. area, which um, has actually been pretty decent. But I'm actually to give everyone a look behind the curtain into my life. Uh, I am moving soon uh, to the Richmond area and it's just like the cases are not good there. And so it's one of those things where i don't know like i'm probably gonna have to wait a while to see tenant on vod because i feel like the bill and ted thing i think that's the smartest way to release movies right now where it's uh, you can see it in theaters if you want or you can stay home but um we know that christopher nolan will just say nay to that because he is the holy lord of bringing us back to movies apparently um so i i will probably have to wait and can't wait to get the movie spoiled for me because <laughs> it's uh-huh. like just everyone's going to be able to see it. And I know our, our guy Ash on the movie battle staff has, I think he's seen the movie like 10 times at this point and he's just freaking out about <laughs> it. So he looks like he's living his best life out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to be waiting quite some time. Yeah. I will be there uh, Thursday at two. I'm hoping that not a lot of people will be there because I, I know like AMC is releasing it on Tuesday, uh, which I unfortunately have to actually do things for Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, but Thursday I will be there watching it. Um, and it's one of those things that, you know, I'm not a huge Nolan fan. You know, I, I like his, most of his movies. I don't think he's any 
he's made anything that I would consider bad. Um, but you know, had we been in a regular box office summer, Tenant wouldn't have been my top movie. Uh, but now I'm just so hungry to see something good on the big screen that I'm down 100. percent Yeah, and it's it is interesting to kind of see what this movie does because I think it was like a reported budget around 200 million because he literally blew up a plane and all that stuff and everything is in camera and on and on location so it's super expensive movie and obviously we've talked so many times about how Warner Brothers is at the point where like hey we kind of need to release this because we've spent so much money in the marketing and remarketing it and whatnot so um it is it's gonna be fascinating I think it's kind of I don't know if it's like kind of like a microcosm or whatever of like what the state of theater going is currently like when this movie comes out, but um, it's a big deal. Uh, I'm worried. I'm just, <laughs> I hope everyone stays safe. D- don't feel like you, you can wait. D- movies are important. <laughs> we love movies around here. We literally, we babble about them all the time, but uh, if you like, please don't go out to see this movie. If you feel unsafe, just it'll, it'll be fine. You can wait. Yeah. I, th- I think that's definitely something um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of like talk about, oh, well, movie theaters are dying or, you know, if we don't rush out to see Tenet, then everything's going to go away. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think uh, there, there are enough fallback plans that the studios have and, and bailouts that things will be fine if you wait a couple months and just watch Tenet from the comfort of your your own couch and, you know, just pay the extra 20 or $30 to rent it for the weekend. Yeah, I will. I will go right against Nolan and watch it on my TV. The exact opposite of what he wanted. <laughs> I'll no, watch I, it in a Quibi. <laughs> I will watch it on my phone while there is while I have the TV on. I'm also on my computer, and it's just over in the background, as, as he wants. Uh, yeah. So next week <laughs> I will be discussing Tenet uh, somewhat. No, with no spoilers though to uh respect people that that won't be watching it yet um but yeah that that is tenant uh we've talked about this for probably 30 podcasts in a row uh just because the goal line for tenant keeps getting pushed back but it's we're we're almost done we're almost done almost and then there's also some netflix activity going on um not a ton we haven't seen any huge just break the internet releases like the old guard or extraction in a little while uh but this week's top 10 was the frozen ground in the number one spot project power in the number two spot drunk parents at number three uh one br at number four the sleepover at number five santana at number six mr peabody and sherman at number seven number eight all together now secret life of pets two at number nine and The Lost Husband in the 10th spot for the most popular movies on Netflix this week. Uh, really, all I have to say is no Despicable Me. Um, I'm upset. Yeah, it's what the hell. It seems like Mr. Peabody and Sherman and The Secret Life of Pets 2 are on its on its turf. They just stole it. There's only room for one Illumination movie in this top 10. <laughs> it's not here. It always seems like there's one. Because isn't the Lorax Illumination 2? Right. Yeah, like Illumination must have some backdoor deal with the streaming metrics on Netflix. Yeah, it's whatever it is. That'll be weird, though, because won't they be on Peacock? Because isn't that NBC, right? So maybe that'll yeah, I think, change at some point. Yeah, I think that's where they're moving uh, here sometime soon. Yeah, I don't know. But for now, they are still here <laughs> in our in our lives. 
Uh, but yeah, that, that is uh, Netflix. Not a lot of activity going on there. And then, of course, we've been watching stuff um, in our spare time. So I know for me, uh, thanks to uh, the shutdown, I got to watch a ridiculous amount of new movies this year. Uh, so movies that didn't come out in 2020, but that I had seen for the first time in 2020. And so for my hundredth uh, new movie, I wanted to do something big. So I went with Lawrence of Arabia, uh, which is completely blown away by how big that movie actually is. Um, it's a little bit dicey with Alec Guinness and Brownface, but um, I think it's, it's more a criticism of the time than the movie itself. Uh, but it's just phenomenal. And you see really heavily the visual influence that it has on like Steven Spielberg, who's kind of said it's his favorite movie of all time and the influence it has on Indiana Jones. And then coincidentally, uh, since I have just kind of gotten high on going back to the movie theater again, uh, went and saw Raiders of the Lost Ark with some friends yesterday. And you could just see how much of an influence like Lawrence of Arabia has on the design of that movie and the way Spielberg uses shadows and silhouettes and, and how he lights the desert and portrays the clothing. And um, it, it definitely puts that work in greater context for me. I have never seen Lawrence of Arabia because I'm so like just in fear of that almost four hour runtime where Every time, like I knew, like last year, it was out. And it did like a re-release when theaters still existed, and I was like, "Oh, I should go do that." And then it was like the day to go do it, and then I was like, "Eh, I don't really have four hours. <laughs> I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch uh, two and two thirds of ninety minute movies instead." Um, but that is interesting because I think there is a few movies where, like, you watch The Shining, and that really unlocks a lot of what Spielberg does too. Um, so, yeah, it's it's one of those. I'm going to get to it eventually. I've also never seen Casablanca. I'm really telling on myself here. I'm going to get to that, too. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's a it's not good. Uh, believe me, I have a lot of holes that I try to <laughs> I try to hide and make myself sound smarter. Than I actually am. But um, that's that is really cool. It's something I've been meaning to get to for a while. Yeah, it was it was definitely worth a watch um, for sure. A commitment. It's like three hours and 45 minutes, um, which like at that point, it's a good movie, but I'm just restless at that point. I need to get up and go do something. Uh, but but very good, like a really interesting character study. And I mean, it's only the second thing I've ever seen Peter O'Toole in. Um, so it's just really interesting to see like his range as an actor, um, especially how dialed in this feels compared to the ruling class where he plays a guy who thinks he's Jesus um, and then thinks he's Jack the Ripper. Uh, which is the only Peter O'Toole I'd seen before this. And so it was, it was a really good watch for me. Yeah. I always like it's, I wish cause I'm a madman and try to see every new movie possible or when I do get a chance to go back, it is really cool to see kind of like, like these touchstones of cinema, capital C cinema, where um, like a lot of like so many other movies fall in the place where uh, I feel a few weeks ago, I talked about the bicycle thieves, which I had seen for the first time. And you watch that and you're like, Oh, like all, like these 200 other movies make so much more sense to me. So um, yeah, it's one of those, one of those movies we don't see anymore. The, the big Epic. I mean, I'm sure unless you're Scorsese on Netflix, that's really about it. <laughs> you know, I actually have to amend my last statement. I didn't realize that Peter O'Toole was in Ratatouille. So this would be the <laughs> third Peter O'Toole movie that I've seen. <laughs> there you go hot ratatouille what great stuff uh but yeah it was 
very good watch. Um, definitely would recommend. Definitely can see myself checking that out. Like if it ever comes to the big screen, because it's it's definitely something that you you really want to experience the full scale of it. Yeah, and I think that's what I have been waiting for. But then, like I said, where it got to the point, and I was like, ah, I'm good. <laughs> so I think it's a me problem at this point. Um, but yeah, I spend my time. I kind of go. I I was my girlfriend was up. I showed her a few things, and you. You know what movie I really love? It's This is the End, uh, which I contend is one of the better mainstream movies of the 2010s. And I feel like it's not really talked about as much as I feel like it should be, uh, which it's just this movie came out at the perfect time for me. I was like 16 or 17. So, yeah, a lot of the the Seth Rogen, uh, Baruchel, Franco, Jonah Hill humor, Danny McBride, it all just was perfect for me in the time. Um, but maybe it, I watched it again. This is actually the first time I'd seen it in quite a while. And it just, it is so good. I really, really love this movie. Um, just, it's a, it, one of the better, like, satires of Hollywood. Because obviously there's all these, it's it's Seth Rogen, like I said, Franco, Jonah Hill, Baruchel, McBride, Craig Robinson, and so many other celebrities playing heightened versions of themselves. And you have that amazing Michael Sarah. Uh, cameo in there which is just like one of the funniest things but um, <laughs> yeah it's just oh my god it is so so good I really love this movie and I think it's it's another good example when Seth Rogen makes a movie and he actually directed this movie too with Evan Goldberg who's the guy he works with on a lot of this stuff but he takes like a lot of really silly dick jokes and all this stuff and he folds it into like just really interesting things because there's like if you want to like look at this movie like it's a great a satire of Hollywood where just <laughs> people get raptured and it's the apocalypse and the only people left are celebrities <laughs> and actors, which is just <laughs> really funny to me. Uh, and then it's obviously like there's the religious ideas of like, like being worthy of going up to heaven. And I think it's obviously like it's, there's a lot of dick jokes in it. So it's not like, we're not talking about Bergman here in terms of like depth of stuff, but uh, I just I, I love this movie so much. It's so so funny every single time. I think Jonah Hill is just like the funniest. Oh my god! There's so many things I could talk about in this movie, but in case people haven't seen it, I'm gonna let people experience it for themselves because it's one of those where it's like it's kind of a, it's like a it is a one one of one because it's just so bizarre and so strange and people playing themselves. It's just I just love it. I love it so much. Yeah, I really like the scene where they're recreating like some of their older movies, <laughs> and uh, they're, they're like they're making fun of James Franco, and they're like, "We're not doing Your Highness too." <laughs> there's the one, there's the same thing with Danny McBride at the table where he wastes all of their apocalypse food making them breakfast, <laughs> and he's and he's like, "Oh, Seth, that was that was better acting than like your last six movies. Where was that in the Green Hornet?" <laughs> And they do, uh, the, yeah. they do the Pineapple <laughs> Express 2, where, what is, I forget what the title of it is, but it's like Red's Dead, or like Red's Blood, or something. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's one I haven't seen in a while, but I definitely, like, I get the urge to revisit it every now and then. Yeah, it's, it's, oh god, it's so, so funny. Just every, everybody is just, like, throwing 100 miles an hour on this movie. It is so, so good. <laughs> 
And then <laughs> I just keep laughing thinking about it. There's like the whole exorcism. Uh, it's just amazing stuff. And then there's just a few just knockout cameos in there, like other than the Michael Sarah one. Like there's there's the one towards the end where there's I'm sure that you know which one I'm talking about. It's just unbelievable, unbelievable stuff. <laughs> I love this movie so so much. It's it's fun. I there's a few movies that I really like watch to death in that like like 14 to 17 year old boy phase that we both had I'm sure where it's like you watch the hangover like a hundred times and you think it's the funniest thing ever uh, but I still like that movie but there's a few where it's just like uh, this is just not a good movie or this hasn't aged well at all but I was a 14 year old boy so I really liked it but yeah this is <laughs> this is one of those where I have a new appreciation for it yeah it's it's definitely one I want to check out again sometime soon <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it so much. But yeah, that uh, pretty much wraps up this week's episode of the Movie Vibble Podcast. Uh, we stand Hill Caesar. We stand. This is the end. Uh, maybe next week we'll stand Tenet. Uh, but we'll be back next week talking about Tenet, probably talking about Mulan a little bit as well. And as always, you can check us out online at moviebabble.com. Mm-hmm.